Good morning. We're missing people. Justin, again. Come on, dude. Welcome to church. Will you stand with me? We're going to have a great time today. Um, I'm Garen. I'm one of the pastors here, and let's just spend some time praising God and lifting up his name. We welcome you in this place, Jesus. Thank you for your love.
right, please stay standing. Uh, we're just we're gonna have just a short time of prayer. Sorry, Patsy. Uh, first of all, I want to embarrass somebody really quick. We turn back here and look at Sherry. And um, praise God, Sherry. That's all we can say. Praise God. Jeff, you look great, too. Don't worry. But um, thank God. I know you have been. Let your life here with us, and uh, you're standing better than I do most days. I let that just be a testimony to the great things he does. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we praise you for your mysterious ways, for your uh, sometimes seemingly unknowing ways. We praise you because you're faithful. Even when the things are, are hard beyond belief, when we don't understand why things happen, how they happen, or, or we blame you for the bad things, Lord, we know that you love us. You want nothing but good for us. And you take those bad things and you transform them into something we never imagined. And I thank you for specifically for Sherry's life and for the healing that's happening. Continue to be with her and Jeff and the family as they heal physically, emotionally. And Lord, let their life just become the greatest testimonies because of this tragedy, this hard time. We praise you today and we look forward to you filling our lives. So we invite you here in our lives today. Fill us full of life that we never imagined was possible as we praise you. All things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning, guys. We get to come to a time in the service where we get to pass the peace with one another. Kind of like a, a meet and greet. But we just want to be reminded that, that God not only wants us to be at peace with him, but also with one another. And not only just the people that are here in this building this morning, but even those outside of this church. He wants us to be at peace. He wants us to, to carry a different, you know, I don't know how to say it. You know, the new, in this new day and age, they call it like a vibe. Continence? Countenance? Well, you know, in this day and age, the, the teens, they call it vibe. He wants you to carry a vibe with you that is of, of a peacemaking vibe. Uh, and, and the reason why that we display this peace or we, we'd like to show it to others is because the peace that God has upon us is one that the Bible describes as passing all understanding. And so there's a lot of the world out there that needs this peace that we pass. And so may I be the first to tell you this morning, may the peace of the Lord be with you. Go ahead and practice passing that peace with one another, with one another here now.
Well, howdy, 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 howdy. My peace, peace fist bump right there. I have the honor of bringing a couple of announcements. And the first one, you don't even have to put this up yet, uh, Kimmy. Um, I sent out an email blast. If you're on our, um, our Wednesday email, um, we have a need in our church um, for either physical help cleaning financial help for fixing or some sort of help with accommodating. Um, we've got a friend, Margaret, um, who is needing to leave. Um, she and her husband, who passed away last month, lived on a houseboat, and she needs to find a different place. So she, they found an RV, but it needs a lot of work. Do you have something to add, Kevin? Yeah, what you got? no longer willing to let her use the RV. So now we're back to square one and trying to find some place for her to stay. So, all right, well, that changes this announcement. Let's just pray right now. Yeah. This is going to be, she's going to need a permanent place. But she may need temporary until she finds a permanent. It's just too hard um, to get people to pick her up, to bring her to shore, and this and that. And so, um, I, you two need to connect after the service, okay? So Mary, Mary and Margaret, Mary and Margaret, what? Yeah, you're gonna connect later. Thank you. That's awesome. But let's, let's, let's pray right now. God, I thank you that you're already meeting needs. Um, I thank you for the way that you provide for us. You love us. You want good things for us. You don't give stones, you give fish. And so we trust you right now to provide for Margaret. Thank you for the way that you may already be working on situations. And God, I pray that you will be with her. God, I pray that you'll be with her in this new adjustment to life. And I pray that you will give her peace and comfort. And I pray that she will have friends that will come around her and support her. And if she doesn't have the, the friends that can do that, I pray that we will become those friends that can support her and help her through um, this difficult time. We love you, Jesus. We thank you that you have the answer. And you just, you just want us to be available and open to be part of the solution. And so that's what we'll be today. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you a couple of other quick announcements, and then we're going to keep going. I'm having a class on Wednesdays. This is a short-term thing, just so you know. It's just during the month of Lent, and we're kind of talking through things that are discussed in the sermon or things that you may be reading if you're following along with the 40-day devotional. And so you're welcome to join us. It's Wednesdays from 6 to 7, and we'll be doing that from now until um, Easter. And so would love to have you there. And I have another announcement for a different class. Debbie is leading Quest 52. If you'll remember, blah, 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 blah. If you'll remember two years ago, we went through Core 52. These 52 uh, pillars that, that are foundational to the Christian faith. Well, now we're going through Quest 52. And these are 52 characteristics or attributes 
or things that we know about Jesus. And we want to spend a year focusing on Jesus so that we will hopefully spend the rest of our lives focusing on Jesus. They had been meeting on Wednesdays, and because of some conflicts and some people that wanted to join that couldn't, we are now moving to Thursdays from 6.30 to 8. Is that right, Debbie? Okay, I just wanted to be sure. So, we would love to have you join. If you want to know more about it, you can see Debbie, or you can see uh, Jim, or you can see Jim and Elaine, or, um, well, you can see anyone, but they may not have the right answers. Those four will. But uh, we would love to have you join. It's going to be great. If you have a book, bring it. If you don't have a book, you will still learn. Yes, ma'am. We have an extra book. So, we'd love to have you join. The, the premise behind this is 15 minutes a day. If you could spend 15 minutes a day, it could change your life forever. So it's not like we're asking you, could you spend four hours a day doing this? No, 15 minutes. I believe that once you get into it, you'll be like, 15 minutes isn't enough. I just got to know more. I got I to gotta have more of Jesus. But 15 minutes is a good place to start. And so if you can do 15 minutes, this class is for you. The third announcement I want to... Uh, remind you, this is our last Sunday um, in the month, and we've been doing our Good Neighbor offering, um, and it is for um, help in, the, in Ukraine. And so we would love to have you give. You can give to Good Neighbor offering by um, giving a check and put Good Neighbor. Um, you can do it by doing it online, and there's a Good Neighbor offering section. Or you could text a gift, and you could just text the number. It'll be on the screen during offering. And just text the amount and the word help. Because the good neighbor offering is there to help people. And so, like we say, I want to give $10. Just dollar sign 10, help. And that will help the people that are on the front lines helping with um, what's going on overseas. I wanted to show you a quick clip. Um, this, this really ministered to me this week. This is a group of people who have been displaced. They are now refugees in a different country. And they just wanted to sing about God. And so I think you'll recognize the song. Take a listen. Goodness is running after me. That they can say that with what they're going through means that we have no reason we can't say that with anything we're going through. Um, so I thought maybe let's just take a minute and let's join them in 
singing. Your goodness is running after, running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, running after me. And I sat there watching them. you've been faithful. Even in this, they're saying you've been faithful. Sing with me. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I that one more time. Sing it out. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I Come up after that. You set me up. <laughs> he did set me up last week, though, right, didn't he? You guys agree? You guys were here last week? <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, we're going to come to a time of the service that we get to give back to God. And, uh, you know, as, as we come, you know, before the church this morning and we, and we lay down some requests that we have from other people in the church and the immediate response of, hey, I got it. I got it, you know, we, we got a room. I, I looked over to Jason, I don't know if you heard what I said, but I said, or I looked over to uh, Dusty in the back and I said, that's how it should be. That's how it should be. You know, there's some times that, you know, there's so many of us that, that are coming in here this morning and we might have a need. And there's so many of us that are in here this morning and we're ready to give to that need. And if we're not talking about it, communicating, you know, and so it's just so beautiful to just see those needs immediately met. And sometimes we even say, well, hey, well, look, let's, you know, let's, sometimes we got to stop and pray about it. But other times, and I said this nugget one time before, that God's answer to prayer is through you. You see, before we even got to pray and he answered it through you. And so as a people, as a body of Christ, may we be a people that listen to God's Holy Spirit in our lives. May we be the vessel that he wants to use us to be and allow him to, the, to answer the prayers that we have ourselves and that, other ha- that others have through us. So with that being said, I mean, I don't really have to tell you anything on how faithful God is. We could see it already, how we could still sing in the midst of craziness, how we see needs being met right here this moment, this morning. We know that our God is a faithful God. And so let's just pray for this blessing that 
that he would bless this time that we have here. Lord, man, you are so good. Father, I love it how anywhere you went, where there was a need, you met it. And Lord, even if you were busy just walking by, if somebody happened to just touch the hem of your garment, that you would meet their need there. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would meet the needs of this church. And Father, I pray this morning that this church would be a place that you are lifted up, that you are glorified. Father, I pray as we begin to have the opportunity to give to you in your ministries, Lord, that you would bless us, but Lord, that you would multiply it. That you would, br- that you would put it to where it needs to be put to work. And Lord, that your kingdom would still go forward. And we pray this blessing in Jesus' name, the only name. Amen. Good morning. morning. Wow, it's good to be back. Jen and the kids and I took a couple days off and went up to the snowy tundra of Tennessee. Um, It was awesome. We left here uh, on a Friday morning. It was like 81, and we got up to Johnson City, and by 2 o'clock in the morning, it was snowing up there, and by 5 o'clock, we had four inches of snow, and we had a lot of fun. So, But it's good to be back. Ah, I've missed seeing your faces. I've missed, well, I, I just miss this church. I, I hope that you feel the same when you're not there. It's like, ah, something feels wrong. I miss it. So, um, so I want to tell you very quickly, I've got a friend. His name is Brandon, and he works in North Carolina as a worship pastor. And his wife, Ashley, is an interior designer and an abstract artist. Um, This is a picture of Ashley and her daughter, Nora. Now, you can see some of the work behind. Now, here um, here is something that is interesting. Ashley decided not all of her artwork, but much of her artwork 
she would allow Nora to title. And so uh, let's look at three of the pictures right there. Here you get a, this, this piece of work is called, let's totally get a pet flamingo. Um, the middle one, you, it's, uh, I want to have a pillow fight with your face. That's a great, great title for artwork, isn't it? Um, the last one is, I remember a lot of stuff, like 200. I love it. So when we were living in Texas, they were doing that, and our girls said, I want to do that too. And so we did a little bit of painting. Oh, no, you're good, you're good. That's, that's my fault. Ooh, see, all the people online are like, what's he doing? Where is he going? So my daughters did some artwork. I've got to make sure I'm holding it up the right way. You know, when it's abstract, you just never know. So, and this is what they did. I have no idea what it is. I, I, see, in my mind, I think that looks like a frog. Does anyone else see it? You see a sun? You see turtles? I see a heart. See, I feel like that's a frog, too. He's looking at this other frog. And then this, I have no idea. No. It's what? Oh, please don't let it be a spider. I'll be setting that down right away. We have a peace sign here. Uh, but uh, I said, girls, what are you going to name it? They didn't have a clue. And so they, Jen snapped a picture and said, Ashley, ask Nora. We need a good title. What, what can we title this? And Nora said the title of this piece is, let me, just so you can see again. title of the piece is, what was the matter with that? <laughs> Do you see it now? <laughs> what was the matter with that? Uh, so when the girls were little, messiness was okay, right? I mean, we didn't care. It, it, it didn't have to be perfect. My girls, do you remember the, um, the Crayola paint that you dip in the water and it had the little circles of colors and... It didn't matter what you painted, everything ended up being this ugly black by the time you were done because of how the paints would get messed up and how, how you'd be painting. And, and eventually the, it was so soggy that the paper would almost be like ripping. You remember that as a kid or having kids? Yeah, that's how it was. It was messy. It didn't have to be perfect. It was, it was that's an art. You know, that's how we do it, you know. But somewhere along the way, Someone or something spoke into their lives, and it speaks into all of our lives, too. You need to stay within the lines. There are rules to follow. You're no Picasso, so you need to um, make sure that all the colors match up. You need to make sure that, that you understand that messy is stressful. Messy is unacceptable. Messy means problems. You need to follow the rules. The sun isn't purple. The grass isn't blue. There is a structure. And if you want your painting to look perfect, you need to follow within these guidelines. And we'll tell you what they are. 
I have no idea when they were taught this. I have no idea when I was taught this, but I was taught it. I don't know if you felt that way. It's like, well, yeah. If you're coloring, you've got to color within the lines. That's what you're supposed to do. You know, and as parents, we're all freaking out when our kids are like, Ugh! and it's like, <laughs> but then somewhere along the line, they all of a sudden start caring because you have to follow the lines. You can't, you can't just enjoy coloring the big picture. I remember I was with one of the girls and we were, we were drawing dolphins because that's what you draw when you're a kid. And we're drawing, and I'm drawing mine, and she's drawing hers. I can't remember which one it was, so I'll just give her a fictitious name. It was Jill, our third unknown daughter. No, I'll just pick one. It was Henry. Um, I don't know if it was her, so I don't know if that's a lie. But I'm, just for the sake of this, we're spending too much time on this, so I'm going to say it's Henley. So I'm drawing, and, and Henley's drawing, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, what's wrong? It's wrong. It doesn't look like it's supposed to. It's ruined. And I'm like, no, honey, it's perfect. It's perfect. No, it's not. It doesn't look right. It's not how it's supposed to look. It's ruined. And she was dealing with what we all deal with. If it's not perfect, it's wrong. There's no middle room for messiness and growing. It's got to be right or it's wrong. We live in this dichotomy. And I don't know if you live there as well. I'm not talking about artwork. I'm talking about life. But it feels like a lot of times there's very little wiggle room. And I, I began to wonder, how did she learn this concept of perfect? Did, did I teach it to her? Did someone else teach it to her? And then the follow-up question was, what constitutes something being perfect? Because, after all, nobody's perfect. Right? Perfection, it's a tough concept, isn't it? It's, it's why it's so difficult to hear the words in Matthew chapter 5. Which, we only have one verse as our primary text, but we'll look at a couple things outside of Matthew 5. But Matthew 5 verse 48 says... But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. What do you do with that? I mean, let's, can we just be honest here? What do you do with that? You're to be perfect? You're to be perfect? That's a lot of pressure. Oh, and then, not to make things worse, but even as your heavenly Father, God, the Holy One, the Perfect One, is perfect. Thanks, no stress. What do you do with that? If you're like me, you get discouraged because it feels unattainable. It feels unreachable. It almost feels laughable. It's like, yeah, right. Good one, Jesus. You want me to be what? You might as well say, I want you to grow fins. And that's why we don't take Scripture out of context. 
society has made a lot of money pulling a verse out and putting on a, a shirt or a mug, and I own a lot of it. But if we're not careful, we miss the message that's being taught by the catchphrase that's being told. And so remember, we talked about this when we started with Matthew. We've got we to gotta talk about two things. Who's talking and who are they talking to and what's the setting, right? If we can figure that out, we can get a better idea of what Jesus is talking about. So who's he talking to and what's the setting? Well, he's talking to these people on the hillside, these people that are messed up, rejected, um, nobodies, along with his disciples who were even closer to him. And I imagine some other stragglers, like some wealthier people that are just coming to see the show, some Roman citizens who want to make sure that the peace is kept. But there's a wide range of people here. What's the setting then? Well, the setting is he's in the middle of this discourse where he's talking about how you've missed the point of the law by trying to keep the letter of the law. You've missed it. And as I was reading it and thinking about it, it reminded me of a clip from a TV show. And so I want to show it to you. And, and this is what it reminded me of. Make a right turn. Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. It means bear right. No. Up there. It said right. So take a right. No, 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 no. Look, it, it means go up to the right, bear right over the bridge, and hook up with 307. Make a right Maybe it's turn. a shortcut, Dwight. It said go to the right. It can't mean that. There's well, a light there. I think it knows where it's going. The, the machine knows. The Stop yelling at me. No, it's Stop not yelling. yelling. There's so much here. You sure you're okay? Fine. Good. That is what's most important. Did you get the rental insurance? Because that is pretty important, too, at a time like this. Go right. Now, clearly he could see that there was a lake right there, and there was a road just right there, 100 feet. But he was so determined to follow to the letter what was said that he missed the whole thing. He was so determined, I'm going to follow to the letter of the law. This is what it says. He messed up pretty big, didn't he? So Jesus is saying in this section, you guys have kind of missed the point on a lot of it. It's in, we had a series called The Six Antitheses of Jesus. It's these things you've heard, but I say, you've heard, but I say, the law says, but I say, the commandments say, but I say. And it's not that Jesus was contradicting the law. He was, he was painting a better picture of what the law meant. That's why he could say, hey, it's not enough not to murder someone. I mean, come on. You've heard you shouldn't murder. Do we really even need to say that? It's about something deeper. It's about this anger that will get into you, and it will lead to things that will hurt people if you're not careful. He said, okay, we all know adultery is wrong, but really, when you're obsessed with someone, and you're, and you're consumed with something, and, and it just becomes your focal point, and, and all of a sudden, it's taking priority over God— that, that's sin. It doesn't have to be literal adultery. Anytime you do that, that is not what you're supposed to be doing. 
when he talks about divorce, it's not just the act of divorce, because we talked about, if you remember, divorce was used as a power tool by the men. They would go to the temple, and the priest would issue them a written decree for any reason the guy wanted, leaving the woman helpless and defenseless. And Jesus is saying, okay, so we made a we made an allowance for this, but you have totally missed the point because you're destroying people's lives by how you're acting. That's the bigger issue. When he says, let's talk about oaths. Well, I swear by, you shouldn't have to swear by anything. If you're a God-honoring person, your word should be enough. You don't need to swear by anything. Not heaven, not earth, not anything. Because... All of that stuff is God's. It's not yours to swear by. Let your word be yes or let it be no and be honorable about it. You've missed the point when he says revenge feels good for a moment. I mean, let's be honest. Revenge feels good for a moment. Y'all are looking at me like I'm saying something you don't know. The problem is it's fleeting And it's not godly. Because revenge usually ends up dehumanizing someone. It it ends up either dehumanizing the person that you're oppressing, or it makes you just a little less human. And then we get to this section where Jesus is tagging this. You should be perfect like your father is perfect. And this section is about loving your enemies. It's easy to love people that love you, isn't it? Or that look like you, or that act like you, or that have the same life goals as you, or the same occupation as you, or the same political camp as you, or the same social issues as you, or the same religious topics as you. We like things that are the same, don't we? Easy to love that. But Jesus is calling us to something more. When we live in this dichotomy of us versus them, then basically we live in this idea that our side is right, our side is just, and we are the people that are being most human. And their side is... of God. Every single person. Every single person on both sides and on the people who aren't yet in it is made to love and to know God. And Jesus makes it clear that we are called to love everyone. He says the sun shines on the good and the bad. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. It's not about figuring out who God loves. It's about remembering that God loves 
everyone because God is yeah God is love and maybe when we get upset that the wicked prosper or that good things happen to them when bad things happen to me maybe it's less about them and it's more about an indication that our heart is not right with God So Jesus is telling them, you've mastered the letter of the law. Hey, good job. You, you are keeping it to the T, but you've missed the spirit of the law. You've missed what I was trying to say. The commandments were given to help you stay in step with God's spirit. The, the law was given to help you learn to love God and love others. And instead of learning how to do that, which would make you holy... You've taken the words and you've weaponized them against people that are not like you instead of loving them. And you can't be holy if you don't love everyone. Let me say that again. You can't be holy if you don't love everyone. That does not mean that you allow yourself to be used as a doormat. That does not mean that you don't come... Um, confront crisis. That does not mean that you don't call sin, sin. It means that all of this is done. Your life is lived through the lens of the love of God. God loves everyone. And you can't be holy if you can't learn to love everyone. There's a theologian. Her name is Mildred Weinkoop, and she puts it this way. Let's see. Kimmy, you got me? When holiness and love are put together, the analogy of two sides of a coin would be closer to the truth. Neither side can be both sides at the same time. Sides are not to be equated, but the obverse side is as essential to its existence as the face. Next one. Love is the essential inner character of holiness. Love is the essential inner character of holiness. And holiness doesn't exist apart from love. That's how close they are. And in a certain sense, they can be said to be the same thing. At least Wesley consistently defined holiness as well as perfection, which is what we're talking about today, as love. In other words, you can't be holy apart from love. And we claim we want to be a holiness people. We claim we want to be holy and more like God. And I'm telling you, it doesn't happen if you don't learn love. They can't be separated. It's like a coin. I brought a big coin so you could see it. If this is holiness, and holiness is face up, it is supported underneath by love. And if love is seen in this world today, it is seen through the holiness of God and the God that lives in us. Holiness and love are two sides of the coin that will help us be more like God. Because we want to be holy, right? We want to be holy, and holiness and love is what Wesley, Weinkoop, and many would say is what Jesus is talking about when he talks about be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. 
God's holiness is displayed in perfect love. It's perfect love that supports and reinforces holiness. And we see that in other places, too, in 1 Corinthians 13. We know this one because we read it at weddings. I'm just going to read the last verse. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? Love. If you get love wrong, you get it all wrong. You may be technically correct following the GPS, but you're missing the road. And the verse that doesn't get used a lot, which is the very next verse, verse 14.1, says this. Let love be your highest goal. love be your highest goal. There's some things that will be depleted. Not our faith. Not our hope. Not our love. And if we have to pick one to to hang our hat on, love always wins. That's why Paul could say that. That's why John could say in 1 John chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. 1 John chapter 4 is a great passage on God's love and how we are called to love others. And I'm going to start in verse 16. I don't have the words for you. You can just hear the words or you can pull it up on your Bible app or, or open up your Bible. But starting with verse 16, the second part, God is love. And all who live in love Live in God. We could stop there, but we're going to keep going. You want to be in God? You got to be in love. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. That Greek word perfect is a variable of the word perfect that Jesus says in Matthew 5. So we're talking about a similar thing. So you be perfect as your father is perfect. Well, here's how. As you live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid of the day of judgment, but we can face him, God, with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world because Jesus was love and Jesus is love. And if we live like Jesus, we'll be living like love. And if we're living like love, we're living in God. Are you following me? This is good stuff. This is good stuff. So, we will live... uh, Where are we? So we'll not be afraid of the judgment, but we can face the confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love, same word, expels all fear. Not some fear, all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment and it shows that we've not fully experienced this perfect love love. We love each other because he first loved us. So 1 John 4 20 says if someone says I love God but hates a fellow believer that person is a liar. Ouch. I almost would rather this verse be taken out than the perfect verse be taken out. Unfortunately, they're both in God's word. So we've got to do something with it. 
If a person says, I love God, but he hates his fellow believer, the person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we can't see. And he's given us this command. Okay, you want to know what the rule is? You want to know what the law is? We can get into all the specifics all we want, but let's just talk in general. This is what Jesus is saying. God's given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. And I would add those that aren't yet fellow believers. So the word perfect used here is the same word that's used by Jesus. It's the same word used in Matthew 19 when the person comes and says, hey, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? He says, hey, love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, strength, love your neighbor as yourself. Hey, I'm doing that, Jesus. What else you got for me? Okay, sell everything, give it to the poor, and follow me, and you will. Like that, the word, the word in there is that's how you can be perfect. It's the same word. So, so what is that word perfect? Let's boil all this down because that's what we're trying to figure out. How can we be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect? The word perfect that Jesus uses, that John uses, that Paul uses, is not a word that means you're without flaws or you're without mistakes or you're, there's no errors found in you. The word perfect in the Greek means Wanting nothing. Wanting nothing necessary for completeness. You are perfectly complete. That's what Jesus is saying. I want you to be perfectly complete, just like our Father in heaven is perfectly complete. It means it brought to its end. It means finished. I want you to be living your life that you are called to live. I want you to be fully complete. I want you to be lacking nothing. I want you to be living your life for me because you're made in my image. And when you're doing that, you'll be perfect just as our Father in heaven is perfect. I want you to live in this perfect community with the fellowship of the saints because our God is a triune God. Our God is a relational God. And I want you to be like that. And if you can learn to be like that, you're going to be perfect. You're going to be perfect because you're holy. You're going to be perfect because you're living in love. Which means you're going to start to see the bigger pictures that Jesus was talking about and not these little nitpicks. Well, I didn't smoke and I didn't chew and I didn't go with girls to do and I didn't. Like, no, you're going to see what the bigger picture. You're going to see what Jesus is really wanting you to live like. That is how you're going to be perfect. So we love. We love even our enemies because if you'll recall in Romans chapter 5, Paul says, while we were yet enemies of God, Christ loved us. So there is no exception clause to the love of God. And I want to be like Jesus. Which means I have to learn to love like Jesus loves. That is how I become holy. Not by following a list of do's and don't do's. I become holy when I learn how to love like Jesus loves.
as I learn that, my life becomes more perfect because it is more complete. It is lacking nothing. It is fulfilled and made to how it was supposed to be. So the question today is, what's keeping us from being perfect? I think for some of us, uh, for some of us, it's it's fears, fears of not being good enough. We've got because we've bought into the wrong definition of what it means to be perfect. Fears of our past that God can't love and forgive us because of things that we've done. Fears of believing that we that we have a God that wants to condemn us more than God wants to forgive us. If we live in that realm, we will never understand this holy God that truly loves us. I think we struggle with hurts and we struggle with pains. Sometimes it's from family members. Sometimes it's from jobs. Sometimes it's from people who say things. Sometimes it's from people in the church who think they're being holy and they say things, well, they say some of the most hurtful things. We'll just leave it at that. Some of us struggle with this idea of, God, you want to make me holy, you want to make me perfect, you want to help me learn to love, because we carry so much baggage with us. We don't have any space to pick up anything else. And maybe what we need to do is let go of some of the baggage that we've been carrying for far too long that we were never intended to carry in the first place. Free our hands up to embrace the one who loves us completely, the one who is holy. And as we walk hand in hand with this Jesus, we will learn the attributes of this holy and loving God. And then all the other things work themselves out. All those extra rules are kind of irrelevant when you get the heart and the spirit right, because the heart and the spirit of God will always lead you into truth. I think sometimes we struggle with this idea of being perfect just because we're pretty happy with where we are. I'm perfect enough. We wouldn't say it that arrogantly, but maybe we think it. I'm doing pretty good. I love Jesus just enough to keep my 401k and have a good retirement plan, and I love God just enough to be nice to people and to help out occasionally but not have to really surrender. Like, I don't know what's keeping some of us from diving deeper into this perfect. I've been grappling with what's keeping me from diving deeper into it. I don't know what it is for you. But I'd love to pray that maybe we can all turn our hearts just a little bit closer to God today. And maybe we could learn just a little bit more of God's holiness and God's love, which will help us be 
just a little bit more in sync with these words of Jesus when he tells us, you're to be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. You're to be perfect. It's as if he's saying, don't you understand that's what you were created for? You're using yourselves incorrectly. I want you to be perfect. Used by the Father. Jesus, these words are tough. These words that you spoke thousands of years ago, and yet we believe that they still have truth and power today. God, I pray that you'll help us to get rid of whatever notions we have about what it means to be perfect. Jesus, it seems to me that your holiness is a little messier than that. Your holiness is a little bit more like my daughter's paintings than the people, than the pictures that stay right within the lines. And yet, my daughter's painting is it's perfect. It's not missing a single drop of paint to be complete. It's not missing a single object making it any less than it should be. It is complete and perfect in their eyes. In the same way, Jesus, will you make us complete and perfect in your eyes? Will you teach us how to be holy and we understand that for us to be holy, it's going to require love. So will you teach us how to love? And we understand that for us to love properly, it's going to require that we become a little more holy. So will you teach us how to be holy? And for us to do that, we're going to need to learn how to love a little bit better. God, this is a lifetime process. This is a transformation that you are wanting. It's why Paul says that... He, Everything that is good and acceptable and pleasing and perfect. It's the same word that you used here. So Jesus, will you transform us and make us to where we are lacking nothing because we are filled with your holiness and your love. God, I pray you'll help us to let go of anything that's keeping us from being all yours. And I don't know what that is and it's different for every person. But God, I pray that we will leave this place 100% fully surrendered to your lordship so that your words become our words. Where you want to go becomes where we end up going. The way you want us to live in our world becomes how we live because we're in step with your spirit. We pray this, Jesus. We pray this crazy prayer that seems unreachable, unattainable, and almost laughable. But we pray this in your name. Because you have called us to be this. And so you're going to have to be the one that provides the power. And thankfully, your word tells us that we've received the power if we've received the Holy Spirit. And so teach us how to walk in step with your spirit. We pray this, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in your holy name.
I was wondering why this painting looks so expensive to me. And then I realized it. I was like, that is the exact same colors as a box of Pampers. And I was like, I, was like, I, know, I know how expensive a box of Pampers is this big. Is that, is, that is billions of dollars right there. Yesterday, as a, a, a large, large group gathered in here, as we celebrated the life of, of Danny's nephew, Robbie. Um, not your typical church crowd, right? It's, it's always interesting to come into church and have the, the smell of cigarettes, maybe alcohol, have some off-color jokes told from stage. But they gathered because they wanted to, to honor to celebrate. Maybe they were, they were looking. I think many of them I felt were looking for, hey, what, what is next? What is out of this? And the words of Jesus were very, very clear and evident yesterday. Robbie wasn't perfect, was he? He, some old habits caught up to him and, and he passed away. Robbie was also a Jesus follower. And this, this concept of, of perfection is a tough one. But yesterday, I know that hearts were moved as very, very clear and simple words of Jesus were spoken and about how Jesus loves us and how Jesus forgives. And Jesus brought a little ragtag group of guys together one night, not long before he was gonna his life was gonna be taken as well. And these guys weren't perfect in any kind of terms, right? <laughs> and we can go through a list of, of how those guys weren't perfect. One of them was just in his heart was betrayal and he was just about to betray Jesus. And Jesus still said, Hey, come eat with me and, and he said, You guys, I'm gonna be I'm going to be broken on your behalf, you imperfect, imperfect group of guys who are seeking the will of God but haven't got quite it figured out yet. I want to break bread with you. And when you all gather in the future, do this in remembrance of me. When there's a group of people at a funeral that don't quite understand or even know much about Jesus, break bread with them. I spent time... Uh, Yesterday with a guy who is a uh, a refugee, basically, from, from Venezuela. We know what's going on there. He's just trying to get asylum here. Might we become a people where those who are struggling with addiction want to break bread with us because the love flows through us so much. The refugees, they want to say, hey, these are the kind of people who will break bread with me. They're always looking for someone to break bread with them. So let's take the, uh, I think I call it a wafer. Is that the correct term? But this symbolic of the bread that Jesus broke with his disciples. He loved them so much that he sacrificed everything to show his love, even though they were imperfect in the terms that we think of as perfection. So let's eat this together in remembrance of him.
And as, I remember, as we remember his words of drinking this in his memory, might we become a people whose love is so great that we are willing to lay down our lives, both uh, literally and theoretically, that we understand that God has a bigger plan than we'll ever imagine. We'll never, we'll, we'll never comprehend how deep his love is nor what eternity looks like. But I saw a group of people yesterday wondering about eternity and hearing about eternal love. So let's drink together, thanking Jesus for that love and that we might be uh, prophets of that. Father, we praise you and we just thank you for loving us. Although each and every one of us are sinners and have sinned and well, continue down that road as we search for holiness, search for perfection. Lord, might we truly understand your love and truly accept it so that you can do that mysterious change in our hearts and so that your kingdom will come to fulfillment. We praise you and we just look forward to more of this adventure that you have laid out for us. Amen. It's been good to see your faces. Online, I'm, I'm picturing some of you. As we leave today, um, let's sing our benediction and then let's leave uh, embodying these words. Jesus, may your kingdom come in our hearts and our homes. Sing with me. We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom Come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.